Hello and welcome to the Florida State of Recruiting Podcast. We are the three stars presented by Tomahawk Nation. Uh, so glad to be joining you again. Uh, it's been, you know, Christmas, holiday season, sickness and everything else. And so we took some breaks on our side, but we're excited to be bringing you a three-part series over these, these next few days talking about uh, basically the state of Florida State. Uh, we, we focused on Norvell and everything else that occurred over the last month and in the previous podcast. If you haven't looked or listened to that, check us out. Uh, but now we're going to take a minute. We're going to talk about Florida State's incoming transfer class that they have signed. Break it up into a two-part series here, offense versus defense. But joining me, as always, are the recruitniks from Tomahawk Nation. I have with me Mr. Josh Pick. Josh, how are you, sir? Man, I'm doing well. You know, it's it's not warm where I am, but it could be worse. I could be in Buffalo. Could be in Buffalo. Uh, you could have been in Kansas City and got your helmet cracked because uh, it was so cold. So you just never know what's going to happen there. I, I encourage everybody to uh, – we were talking about it last podcast. If you haven't gone out and watched some of the crazy, crazy uh, clips on Twitter – and everything about uh, frozen water and frozen beer and frozen mustaches. It was pretty crazy out there. So as as we said last podcast, hope everybody is staying warm. And then also joining us uh, is Mr. David Stout. He is plugged into the Tomahawk Nation recruiting threat. He is a cyborg. David, how are you, buddy? What's up, boys? Good, 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 good times ahead for Florida State. And actually really, really looking forward to talking about this transfer portal hall that Mike Norvell is bringing in. The transfer portal king is alive. Long live the king. <laughs> well, let's jump right into it. We're going to talk about Florida State's transfer hall for the 2024 cycle. Uh, and it's definitely been interesting. Um, you know, I'm a little mixed here, and Josh or David, feel free to jump in and tell me if you think I'm right or wrong one way or the other. Uh, when the transfer portal cycle opened, Florida State definitely was not moving as they normally did. Uh, we saw them really slow play a couple players that we liked. Uh, obviously, they picked up Marvin Jones Jr. The Cam Ward, DJ Uwe Ungalale uh, saga was going on. And they just didn't feel aggressive, for lack of better words. But I don't know if that was a misstep by the staff. I mean, I, I think there there's some truth there. But I also think that that period from basically December 1st through December 25th or whatever you want to call it, I, I feel like the Florida State staff was just in damage control with their current the current kids committed to Florida State after the snub, uh, trying to pull together for an Orange Bowl team with a third of your your team opted out and, and just trying to, for lack of a better word, survive. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a fault of their own, but they definitely misstepped or, or stuttered, stepped or whatever you want to call it, hesitated, but they have turned it on here uh with kind of post-Christmas with, with the transfer portal. Josh, I don't know if you have any thoughts there before we really step into discussing the, the class, but anything there before we uh, we move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think we are all just a little bit frustrated. Like, what's going on? Like, are they going to get into this? And we knew that, obviously, December 3rd was a ridiculously terrible day for the program and, and Mike Norvell and everything else. And then you then you lost some kids on early signing day, and then you had stuff with Patrick Payton and Josh. You know, it's like 
trying to retain your own roster after the snub. And I just think that they were overwhelmed with all the other stuff along with orange bowl prep. And I think they were like, screw this. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, if they're guys that are interested in Florida state, we'll, we'll host them on campus and whatever, but we're not throwing all our chips in this early. And, and I, th- I think the other thing is just because a kid comes and visits or even commits to you early on, doesn't mean you're going to land. And we've seen flips happen in the transfer portal right and left. And it, and it just becomes more common every year. Yeah, I you definitely think the NCAA, well, I don't know about this, but you almost wonder if the NCAA is going to have to put some kind of uh, LOI type uh, surroundings around the transfer portal as well. Because uh, at some point, these coaches are going to, are all going to die from having to recruit all of their players constantly year round. But let's talk about the Florida State recruiting class for transfers, currently ranked number three overall in the composite. Uh, if I'm reading and if I'm remembering correctly, they have 15, or 13 commits um, with an average rating. I've got it pulled up here of 90.08, uh, nine four stars, three three stars. They're behind uh, Ole Miss, who has 15 commits, and Texas A&M, which I didn't realize Texas A&M has 22 commits. I, I thought, you know, we've been talking about Ole Miss, but they're actually behind them. But, no, of course – I think Louisville nobody, currently nobody can touch your Louisville Cardinals, Tim. Yeah, man. Uh, Brian Brown's basically rebuilding an entire team up here in Louisville, so it'd be interesting seeing everybody rallying behind that team. But um, let's jump into the offensive side. You know, some of my favorite players are on the defensive side of the ball, but I think this whole transfer class, although Marvin Jones Jr. was the first uh, name we saw. I think the whole class really dominoed once Florida State finally committed to DJ Uyunglele. Uh If you've been following, uh, I think his name, his Twitter name is Big Dave, uh, DJ's dad. He, he'll tell you straight up that DJ wanted Florida State from the start. Um, and I think Florida State wanted DJ. I think there was some gamesmanship there with Miami and Cam Ward and the likes there. But in the end, Florida State gets DJ Uyunglele, and the dominoes really start to fall on the offensive side of the ball. And so let's really break down those dominoes, and, and let's start with DJ. Uh, Josh, I, you and I, we we can pull receipts if we need to. We were talking on Slack, uh, man, right when all this stuff started happening, when Florida State was hosting both of them on campus, and I think we both said if we had our preference, uh, it was DJ. Yeah, I mean, he definitely presents a higher floor. And I honestly, people think that, that Cam Ward has a higher ceiling. I think that DJ, I mean, remember, this kid was like one of the top quarterbacks in the country coming out of high school. Yeah. He's an athletic freak. Uh, he he kind of reminds me of Big Ben, honestly. Like, go ahead and hit him and knock yourself out. Um, highest yards per attempt this season in his career. I know that his completion percentage isn't as high as some people would like, but it's because of the type of throws that he makes. He's a guy that likes to push the ball down the field. And as we continue to talk about the offensive class, like this, they all tie into what Florida State and Mike Norvell want to do with DJU as the quarterback. Uh, I think he's a great leader. I know that he's transferred a couple times, but you know, uh, Dabo go, went ahead and th- started a freshman over him in the ACC championship game, and he said, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave." And then his coaching staff at Oregon State left after one season, so he obviously wasn't gonna stay there. Um, I think it's a really nice get for Florida State, and I think that. Honestly, he's underrated. Yeah, David, uh, 
maybe, maybe this season, fourth and ones are not going to be as difficult for Florida State. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, when you're rocking with a six foot six, two sixty pound quarterback, you got a big problem if you can't hit those. But <laughs> um, so I was probably, and I don't mind, you know, I'm I'm happy to always admit when I'm wrong on this stuff. I I was the dissenter in the group. I wanted <laughs> Camp for, um, and. You know, it's not that I'm that I was anti DJU. I and I said this in um, the recruiting thread too. To me, regardless of which guy you got, I, I'm looking at this person as someone who you know is an instant contributor, but really who just bridges you to the Luke Cromanoke era because I think Luke Cromanoke is going to be the next great Florida State quarterback. Um, and you know, it's funny. I initially I was I was definitely on the Cam Ward train. But when you look at DJU, like Josh said, what really comes to mind first and foremost, I mean, he's an athletic freak. There's no doubt about that. And he's got a hell of an arm. But it's those leadership traits that, that you look at that really, you know, the Clemson staff, I'll just say it, the Clemson staff failed him. They failed him. And, you know, they uh, it was very clear that both parties needed a reset. But you have to wonder if Clemson fans are like, well, maybe if, uh, if the staff had coached them a little bit better, maybe we'd be in a better spot. Um, and when he went to Oregon state and, and got better coaching and was in a better scheme, you really saw flashes of what really we should have seen in his sophomore season. You know, had he been developed well, you saw flashes there. And I think that, you know, FSU's coaching staff between Tokars and Mike Norvell he's going to get really good coaching here and, and the staff is going to be able to really kind of cater towards his skill set without sacrificing offensive identity. But what I like so much about Cam Ward is, is just that, that big play potential, right? Like DJU, you think of more methodical, you know, running down the, going down the field and, and, you know, five, seven, 12 yard gains. Whereas uh, Cam Ward, I think you've got that explosive big play potential, but then when you actually dig into Cam Ward, there's a significant issue with fumbling the football. Um, and it's not, you know, it, it's, it's not something to just kind of thumb your nose at. Like he really has a problem with fumbling the football and ball security. And you can work on that. You can coach someone on that, but really that's a mentality. And that's, that's something that, you know, may very well follow him. And <clears throat> Jordan Travis made such strides with ball security that it really would be jarring to go to a quarterback who has fumbleitis after that, because you, know, you can have the best offensive scheme in the world and best play callers in the world. But if, if the, the kid can't hold on to the football, it's all for naught. And so with this, I've, I've really warmed up to DJU as the, the quarterback. Again, I would have been fine either way, but to me, FSU played this thing beautifully. And Josh and I, God, every hour it felt like we were having to talk people off the ledge in the recruiting thread and in other comment threads that, you know, FSU needs to move on DJU because then Miami's going to get him or someone else. And we're, and we're like, no, it is very, very obvious that DJ is waiting on Florida State. If Florida State tells him no, he will either go to the NFL draft or he'll, he'll re reevaluate his options. If FSU tells him yes, he will commit immediately, which is exactly what happened. You know, they they gave Cam Ward plenty of time, probably a little bit too much time, probably a couple days too much. But I think FSU finally got to a point where they're like, hey, we need an answer from you. At that time, Cam said, well, publicly, it was reported that Cam said he was going to go to the NFL draft. I don't know if he asked for more money or whatever, but 
FSU decided to pivot. DJ was the choice and DJ got on board. So I think FSU played this thing really, really well. And I'm really excited to see what he can do in this offense. Yeah. And I, I think you mentioned Cam Ward's ball security issues. Like on the flip side, DJU protects the ball very well, even as a guy who likes to push the ball down the field and he doesn't fumble the ball. And, you know, yeah, maybe Cam Ward has a higher upside, but I think just the way that, and, and, you know, no fault to him. Like if Cam Ward wants to chase a bag, like, Go ahead. Like in this day and age, go ahead and get it, especially if you're playing football. Like your next play could be your last. So if you can get seven figures, go ahead and get it. But after seeing the way that that whole thing went down, like I think Florida State's in a better spot with DJ at quarterback instead of Cam Ward. Like you need a leader at that position. Florida State doesn't have a natural leader once Jer- Jordan Travis and Jared Burst and some of those guys are gone. Like I think DJU fills that mantle, and I'm not sure that Cam Ward would. I agree with that totally, Josh. Yeah, and and – I think we should make it clear. We we all think Cam Ward's a good player and Cam Ward potentially could be pretty lethal in Miami's system if Shannon Dawson allows him to throw something other than a tunnel screen. So we'll see what happens down there. But I, I think to your point, to both your points, uh, Florida State needed a, a veteran leader back there. And uh, though maybe some of the shine's gone, Josh, to your point, I, I think DJ is a pretty – well-respected guy, uh, and, and I don't want to say an intimidating presence, but somebody that commands attention uh, or, or has the ability to do that. Um, moving on. Just ahead, really, quick, really quickly, Tim, a big piece of that too is I think uh, DJU is also the right quarterback to play behind FSU's offensive line because while the offensive line has made some strides, there's still protection issues. And a guy like Cam Ward, who was smaller and, and you know, he, he could very well get killed uh, behind FSU's offensive line at times. And so he found a good spot going behind Miami's offensive line that will provide more protection. DJU was built to, t- like, like Josh said, you know, Big Ben Roethlisberger is a, a pretty good body example there. DJU can take a lot more hits than Cam Ward can. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, definitely. And we saw him do that at Oregon State this year with a lot of those uh, QB called runs or, or scrambles. Um, I, I want to go to the running back position next. Uh, Florida State's added two players at the running back position. One of them, I don't know if you'd really consider him a full-time running back, but we can get there. Uh, but first up is the first of the Bama boys that we'll be talking about. It's Roydell Williams, uh, running back, uh, transferred to Florida State just last week, made that public. Uh, this is a kid I'm pretty excited about. Um, you know, obviously he got a lot of garbage time minutes at Alabama, but he made the most of it. And, and this is a guy that that's going to be um, lethal, whether it's running the ball or catching it out of the backfield, in my opinion. Um, and I think he's going to challenge for running back one in that backfield. I, I think he definitely has that potential. Obviously, Mike uses a whole gauntlet of backs back there, so he'll get snaps no matter what. But I, I do think this is a guy that was brought in to kind of be the next Trey Benson. Uh, obviously not Trey Benson, but it, kind of in that same mold. Josh, let, let's talk about Roydell Williams for a minute. Yeah, I mean, to me, he's your number one back. I, I like Toa's potential, but I still think that Roydell is able to take every down carries and 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 take the punishment. Quick feet, kind of that power back that you can play that play action RPO game with him, with DJU, um, kind of the – Two, two powerful guys back there with DJU and Roydell. And this is not a guy that Alabama wanted to lose. So it's a guy that Florida State should take. Yeah, exactly. This was a guy I think that was uh, affected 
uh, by the Saban news uh, to an extent. I think uh, if I'm getting my timeline correct, did he co- he committed before Saban's retirement, right? Oh man, I'm, I'm questioning myself. But there was some smoke out there about that. I, I may be wrong on that whole timeline. But either way, uh, this is a guy that that Alabama we heard rumors was was flirting with getting him back. In fact, at one point after he had entered the transfer portal, I, I think an older news report started cycling around where he was going to go out of the portal and back in. So uh, this is a kid that Florida State definitely wanted to pick up and is a huge get. David, I don't know if you got anything else you want to say about Roydell. I think what makes me the most excited about Roy Dell is he is going to be the perfect guy for Cam Davis to be an understudy to. Um, he's a power back. He's he's built similarly to Cam Davis. From all accounts, Roy Dell Williams is one hell of a hard worker. Um, you know, lives in the in the weight room and all that. And so I think you know even when you're as talented as someone like Cam Davis, you still need role models, right? Like you still need guys to look up to. And this is somebody that I think Cam can really study underneath. Um, and, and I agree with Josh. I think this is, this is your number one back right here because Toa is a great changeup. He has a lot of versatility to him. But I think Broydell is going to be your number one guy. And so he'll probably take the Trey Benson uh, role and, and really be able to get those power yards. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this pickup. FSU had looked at some other transfer portal running backs um some guys that i just i don't know they were to me they didn't seem like they would want to be part of a rotation they'd want to be the guy and maybe would be unhappy if they weren't the guy but roydell williams is used to being in the rotation and and i'm really excited about his addition yeah and i think that you could see roydell and toe on the field at the same time you could see lt more split out some as a wide receiver just to kind of get some mismatches there, but all of a sudden you got either Roy Dell or LT as your, your one and two. And then Kaziah Holmes is your number three. And it's like, that's a nice rotation. Then you got Cam Davis coming in and Sam Singleton. Yeah. And as, as, as Josh just pinged me, yeah, Roy Dell committed just a few days ago. So that was post save. And so I, 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 while I think Florida state was in the driver's seat there, I certainly think that helps them along the way. Um, the next running back is, is Jalen Lucas. This is the, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the brother of Ja'Kai, Ja'Kai Douglas. Uh, he was currently or leaving Indiana to come down here. And this is your your quote-unquote gadget guy. It's almost Ja'Kai Douglas 2.0, but a, a much better special teams player. Preseason All-American last year in special teams. Uh, this is going to be your kickoff returner, your punt returner. Uh, this is the guy that Florida State is hoping can make an impact Uh, on the special team side. David, what is uh, Florida State getting in Jalen Lucas? You nailed it. They're getting their return specialist. Um, (laughs) And it's it's nice to have guys like this too. Like you think of, and and by no means am I comparing him to this person, but you think of like a Devin Hester back when he was at Miami. Like, yeah, he played a little bit of wide receiver. He played a little bit of running back, but you knew he was making his money as a returner. And that's what Jalen Lucas is going to be. Like we're going to see him on the field running – you know, he may be in the backfield every now and again. He may be in the slot. You're going to see some sweeps with him and maybe a trick player too. And I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely going to smile the first time we see Jalen and Ja'Kai on the field at the same time. Probably going to be a trick play. But um, you know that he's there to return kicks. And he's got bona fide productivity as a kick returner. He's got several touchdowns to his name. When you watch his highlights, he does a great job of analyzing the field, looking for his blockers. He has good patience and great speed. 
Um, this is somebody that FSU really has been looking for. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. We know that he's going to start out as a kick returner. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be interesting to see if he gets into the mix at punt returner as well. Um, I know that FSU is going to try to get a, a bunch of different guys involved in that uh, with some of the speed they're bringing in. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Lucas, he's, he's going to be fun to watch, but uh, he is truly a threat. Every time he catches a kickoff, he's a threat to take it to the house. Yeah, I mean, as long as the blocking's good, he's gone because this kid is a bona fide All-American returner. Um, and, I, yeah, as you mentioned, like they'll probably use him some on jet sweeps and whatnot. I don't think he'll be a regular offensive player, but he's a kid that Penn State, Louisville, Oklahoma State, Mississippi State, a lot of those schools wanted him uh, you know, and were willing to spend a scholarship on him, and it helps keep Ja'Kai happy as well. You mean Louisville wanted him? <laughs> <laughs> along with everybody else. Yeah, uh, I was going to yeah. say, that, that puts him in as a, in an exclusive club called Everybody. <laughs> um, let's go to the wide receiver position. I'm really excited about this, so I know if I'm excited, David has to be ecstatic. Uh, the first guy I want to talk about is recent commit, Malik Benson, also one of the Bama boys. Uh, this guy was just two years ago, I think the number one Juco prospect uh in the country, and this is a speed demon guy that can take the top off. Uh, David, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with you talking about. No, come on, dude. Vincent. I was just going to say, do you want me to mic my mute my mic for the next five minutes and just let David go, or what? <laughs> I'll let you chime Josh, in, Josh. Josh, go ahead, Josh. No, I got you... I got nothing, David. This is all you, dude. <laughs> I know it was all tongue in cheek. Um, so okay, so Benson, we, I will say, I get the hesitancy around that announcement when he when he chose florida state there were definitely some commenters who were like why are we so excited about this he didn't really do anything in alabama totally understandable because if you just look at the stats you're right he didn't really do that much at alabama and keep in mind the alabama wide receiver unit whereas it was once just a force to be reckoned with it's definitely slid in the last few seasons and and that's part of the reason why alabama's wide receiver coach went to Texas A&M because it was probably either that or he was going to get fired. Um, but here's the thing with, with Benson, he was the number one Juco prospects in his, in his class. And it was for very good reason. If you go back and look at that film, you see, he is, he has deceptive speed. I mean, he is a speed demon and it's a guy who really honed his craft. He's he's a, a pretty good route runner. He's going to have to get better at that, which I have no doubt he'll improve upon that under Ron Dugans. Um, but what you really love about Benson is not only is he that fast, he is an outstanding blocker. I mean, outstanding. And he was the best blocker uh, among all of the Alabama wide receivers. And that's a unit that, you know, Alabama definitely takes pride in their blocking wide receivers. That's part of why they put out so many well-rounded guys, uh, you know, earlier this decade. But he's somebody who has a chance to be wide receiver one for FSU. Um, the key is going to be is can you unlock that Juco version of him? Because if you can unlock the Juco version of him, and you can get some good chemistry between DJ and Benson, you have a bona fide number one wide receiver. Um, you know, this is a guy who could easily get you between 50 and 60 catches, you know, close to double digit touchdowns if you can unlock that potential. So again, it's, it's, it's a high ceiling addition. There's no doubt about that because you know, he's going to be an outstanding blocker. 
Um, and he's got all the tools to, to be a very good wide receiver. But this is one that, you know, kind of similar to the other Benson. Now it was for different reasons because Trey was coming off a major injury, but FSU could have another Benson starring for it in 2024. I gotta say, I kind of hope they give him the number three Jersey so that we still have a number three Benson rocking FSU. Yeah. And, and he just came off a visit to Florida. So the Florida Gators obviously wanted him and, and the hometown he's from Kansas so the hometown Kansas State Jayhawks really wanted him badly as well. And he was supposed to visit Kansas State after Florida State, but Money Mike was able to shut that down and get him to sign with the Knowles. Uh, up next is another wide receiver. And, and this this one's kind of crazy to me. Uh, it, it's Jalen Brown, who was oh, baby. an elite, elite high school recruit that Florida State chased. He committed to LSU. Didn't see a whole lot of time at LSU. I mean, granted, LSU is probably going to put two guys – two receivers in the first round of the upcoming draft. Uh, but then, you know, said he was done and really didn't visit, just showed up in Tallahassee and was basically enrolled. Uh, so, you know, maybe uh, maybe some ninja Mike moving behind the scenes there in, in silence. But well, uh, go ahead, I'll let David go. I'll let David go on him in a minute. But Jalen did say that the first coach to contact him when he entered the portal was Mike Norvell. So, and, and again, like just because this guy signed with Florida State and didn't visit him anywhere else doesn't mean it's not a recruiting win. Like right. Jalen Brown was going to attract a lot of suitors and high-profile suitors. And the fact that Florida State was able to get it done without him visiting anywhere else is a big recruiting win. All right, David. <laughs> I So it's crazy, man. I, you know, I got my wish this year because – I so badly wanted to see Keon Coleman and Destin Pazon slash Destin Hill in the same wide receiver unit. And we got to see that this year. And then I was so, so, so hoping that we would get to see a tandem of Hakeem Williams and Jalen Brown. And FSU did an outstanding job, really an outstanding job with Hakeem Williams. And they still did a great job with Jalen Brown, but they just weren't able to seal the deal. They were able to finish ahead of Miami for him, but LSU won out. Um, but this was a kid, and I remember saying this in the in the one of the uh, recruiting threads. If he decides to transfer, it's going to be Miami or FSU. So we may not have heard the last of Jalen Brown. So it's kind of uh, like Tim said. It's it's really interesting that he chose to transfer because LSU is going to have to replace some major talent. Um, and he, uh, I, I guess he feels that he didn't get a fair shot at LSU, but I think there was some hope that he was going to be a starter there next year, or at least be heavily in the rotation. But I loved Jalen. I mean, hi, everybody knows this. Hakeem Williams was my favorite prospect in the entire cycle that, that year, but Jalen Brown was pretty damn close. I love his game. Um, I think he also has potential to be a number one, uh, wide receiver for you now. With his size and his skill set, his versatility, I think, is his big name of his game. He can play outside. He can play inside. Um, he's got plenty of speed to burn. Very, very good body control. He's somebody that, you know, once he learns the playbook, you're going to see plenty of Jalen Brown out there. Um, he's a guy that, you know, if, if the safeties are concerned about Hakeem Williams and Benson over the top, uh, Jalen Brown's going to make you pay underneath and so this is somebody who, again, and I've, I've been beating this drum, I will continue to beat this drum. Anytime somebody says in any of the comment sections that relationships don't matter anymore and that it's all about money, 
I will always grip my teeth. And again, this cycle, Mike Norvell has proven y'all wrong because relationships matter. Because for FSU to be able to get this done as quickly as they did without even getting him on campus, that is nothing more than relationships. He was already comfortable on campus. The staff is still the same staff that recruited him. He knows what he's coming into to the point where he was so comfortable he didn't have to take a visit. Now, there's no doubt that FSU is going to be paying him plenty of money through NIL, I'm sure. But relationships matter, y'all, and this is an outstanding example of it. So, again, Jalen Brown, I'm so excited that he's going to be at FSU. Um, he's got plenty of years of eligibility left. Like, this this is going to be a fun one, y'all. Yeah, and then i got to give you credit, David. Like, I feel like you were one of the first ones, like, before we really even knew what the transfer portal was going to entail and how big it was going to become, you, you said, like, hey, like finishing second is so much more important now than it ever was in the past because if kids start entering the portal, they're going to think, hmm, where would I want to go out of high school that I didn't go? Florida State's right there. They have great coaching staff. They have great relationships with me. And sure enough, you're seeing it time and again this, this cycle. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, I was so happy to be wrong. I thought for sure that Miami was going to just write him a blank check to get him there. And people were like, oh, well, he's not going to have a quarterback throw to him. He's not going to have a quarterback throw to him. And, well, aren't we glad that FSU wrapped up Jalen Brown when they did? Because I guarantee you, if he was still out there and available, he would probably go to Miami with the Cam Ward news. And well, so with this, just huge, huge, can't speak highly enough for the great work they did with Jalen Brown. As you said, the relationships matter, and and there were some rumors that there's some some bad blood between Jalen Brown and some of the kids on Miami's roster. So it's not just the coach relationships that matter; it's player other other players that matter too. Great point. Let's see that bad bad blood continue the next time the two teams meet on the field. Can't wait for that. Look, the the main takeaway I took from that whole conversation there, David, is that you mentioned Florida State might throw to underneath routes, which. <laughs> would be answers to prayer over the last season or two. So uh, that would, I, I think Florida State's got uh, a lot of options coming in. But uh, as you guys mentioned, coming in second place and recruiting matters now, and that matters where I want to go next. And I, I want to talk about the offensive line because both of these guys uh, that have committed to Florida State, I, I think it's fair to say that Florida State probably finished second for both of these guys in high school recruiting. Uh, first up is, is Terrence uh, Ferguson or TJ Ferguson, uh, the third Bama boy that we're talking about today. Uh, this is a, a massive offensive line addition, although he doesn't have the experience. Uh, this is a kid that's 6'4", 320. Uh, you know, I, I think you could probably, while you wouldn't probably put him at tackle, he could probably play there in a pinch, meets the whole versatility uh, frame that, that Alex Atkins likes, maybe even can play some center. Uh, but this is a big body that Florida State it, it can finally start beefing up their offensive line. I, you know, I think we talked about it a couple times. Like, I I would love to see him at one guard and Keandre at, at the other guard. And, and suddenly you've got some major, major pounds finally on that offensive line, which we haven't had over the last few years. But Josh, uh, tell me more about Ferguson. Man, this is one of my most – this is one of the ones that I'm most excited about. Like, this is a kid that that is like, oh, Florida State's got to land this dude. And, <laughs> and you said that you'd love to see him and KJ at the guards. Man, I would so – I know, we've talked about this too, but I would so love it if he could snap and just play center because 
Yes. And all of a sudden you've got just a big ugly that it has the requisite rate, you know, size for a college center. And again, I've seen it online a million times, but oh my gosh, Mike Norvell just wants to take all of Alabama's backups. They must not be any good. Like, guess what? Alabama didn't want to lose TJ Ferguson. Like this kid's a stud. Um, this is a very nice get for Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins. Again, relationships matter. Um this kid's a beast. Like whether it's center or guard, this kid's going to come in and he's going to be, he's going to be one of your starters and so happy. Yeah. So <laughs> long-term on Ferguson, this may actually be the most important commitment that FSU has gotten so far, because if you can get him to where he can snap and you've got a center, I mean, he's got several years of eligibility left. You could actually flip a position that has been, you know, and, and again, we, we love Maurice Smith, but the thing with Maurice Smith is he was just, Mo Smith was, was pressed into action way too early in his FSU career. And because of that, it really hurt his development and it really hurt him in terms of health. I feel like the dude is held together with duct tape and, and chewing gum at this point in time. And he's a warrior. There's no doubt about that, but the center position is one that we've really been concerned about. So if you can get a kid like Terrence fricking Ferguson to be your center, I mean, you're cooking with gas now. And uh, again, this is one that, you know, Ferguson and his family loved FSU. They loved Atkins, but FSU's program just wasn't in a good place at that point in time. You know, had FSU had a season like they, they did this year or, or even last year, Ferguson probably commits to Florida state. But Alabama was able to pull him based on their success as a program. So uh, this is the first time we've seen Alex Atkins pull in one of those uh, stud offensive linemen that he finished, uh, you know, second for the first time around. And so, again, I'm with Josh. I am so excited about this addition. This one could be one that that we're talking about a couple years from now is one of the best ever transfer portal additions in the Mike Norvell era. And and, and Bill Biedenbaugh in Oklahoma very well thought of as far as offensive line, they really wanted Ferguson. So that tells you pretty much all you need to know. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Alex Atkins beat Bama and Oklahoma for this kid. I mean, that's, that is huge. Yeah. yeah and we and there, was, there was quite a bit of talk of Ferguson potentially going back to Alabama once he entered the portal. So the yeah. fact that Florida state was able to close this out was massive. Yeah. And you know, even if he doesn't work out at center, I think having him and his size at guard is going to be a massive improvement for Florida state. Uh, one more guy to talk about real quick, uh, and we'll wrap up this one. Richie Leonard uh, transferred over from Florida. This was a kid that was a Florida State lean for a long time, way back in the day, uh, and then visited Florida and everything changed. Uh, I think Leonard's most likely a depth piece, but is a guy that I think you can put in there and start if you have to, and you're not going to see a big dip. Pretty big kid, 6'2", 320. Um so uh, another welcome addition and, and, and another guy that, you know, you, you lost, you lost Meech, you lost uh, Roddick, and, and I think you've replaced them with two equal or better guys with Ferguson and Leonard. Definitely, I think, a higher floor uh, with these guys. I'm sorry, not a higher floor, probably a higher ceiling with these two guys. Uh, Josh, real quick, thoughts on Leonard? Uh, first of all, he started, you know, every game for Florida last season, so – you're taking one of Florida starters away. You know that he has enough quality to play at this level. Um, I think if, you know, 
if KJ and Ferguson stay at guard, he probably doesn't start. But if Ferguson moves inside the center, then all of a sudden there's a very good chance that you start with Leonard Ferguson and KJ. And that's a, that's a pretty good offensive line. And speaking of Keandre Jones, like I just got to give him a shout out. Like he's been a, doing a great job of peer recruiting of, of all the returning players to Florida state. I think he's done the best job of just connecting with these kids when they enter the portal. And even some kids that play the same position, it could potentially take plenty of time away from him. Like, Hey, come to Florida State. We need you. You'll fit in here. And so major props to Keandre Jones on that uh, guy that transferred in from Auburn last cycle. Um, but, yeah, Richie Leonard, I think he's a solid college player, and he probably got brought down because the rest of that Florida offensive line wasn't that, wasn't that good last season, had to play too much, and had to play against uh, alongside guys that weren't very good, and it probably brought his play down some. Yeah, and he, I mean, he graded out as Florida's best offensive lineman this past season. And again, that's not really saying a whole lot because how bad that unit was. Um, certainly not throwing stones in glass houses because as FSU fans, we've been there. But it's just so funny how everything old is new again because, again, coming out of high school, I, I liked Richie Leonard and I loved Keziah Holmes. And they were teammates down in Coco and, and they both went elsewhere. And now here they are. They're teaming up at FSU again. But, um, you know, the, the thing I think of too with Richie Leonard, again, even if he doesn't start for you, great depth and especially when those injuries start happening because they always happen along the offensive line if you can drop down from a starter to a Richie Leonard as your second tier guy you're doing pretty well yeah and and who knows who ends up entering the portal in the spring along the offensive line but looking at the roster right now Florida State could have 10 guys that are able to play offensive line next season instead of the eight they had this season you know in in true playing time situations not garbage time so that's exciting to me, and, and and you hope they stay healthy, but I'm, I'm willing to say that this offensive line is going to go to above average or maybe even good next season. We're climbing, baby. <laughs> uh, one note real quick, uh, the uh, the Florida defender that went to Ole Miss, uh, Prince Lee, I'm not even going to try to say his last name because I would butcher it. He tweeted out uh, when people were taking shots at Leonard that uh, he was the best he was the best offensive lineman at Florida last year. So uh, it, it's, it's nice to see uh, seeing him get some respect there. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I think Florida state still lacks a true offensive tackle, um, which if we could real quick talk about on the offensive side of the ball, is there quote unquote, any misses that really stand out? I would say, you know, obviously if you could have got into it with Zalance heard, but I don't even know what's going on with that recruitment, but um, you, you know, a true offensive tackle, I think, would have really been the bow on this. Maybe a tight end, although I think they're okay there. Um, but you know, any other place, Josh, that you feel like Florida State really missed out? No, I was just gonna. That's what I was gonna say. Like, it's a really nice class, but you'd love to get a true offensive tackle that you know you can plug in at left tackle and not worry about that position all season. And the other mm -hmm. thing is, yeah, either an unbelievable receiving tight end or a guy that you know is going to be there and he's going to be a reliable blocking tight end every single down. You can bring him in if you want to pound the ball on somebody and, and he's going to be good. So um, yeah, those are the two positions, but overall really nice offensive haul. Yeah. Definitely. Same here, Josh. I'd, I'd love to see them bring in a blocking specialist at tight end, someone like a Jordan Wilson that they brought in from UCLA, but it just didn't work out with injuries. Uh, basically gets you a sixth offensive lineman and then a security blanket for those, you know, short down situations. Well, uh, Josh and I are, are pinging each other. We might be breaking some news in our third podcast, which would 
unfortunately be about two days late, but that'll be okay. Uh, we'll still celebrate just as much, but we'll find out here shortly. But uh, this has been our this has been our Florida State recruiting uh, podcast covering the offensive transfers for the 2024 cycle. I'm excited about what Florida State's bringing in. I, I, I think um, I'll, I'll save this comment for the end of the next podcast, but I, I've got high hopes here with what this class is doing, and I'm excited about it. So, uh, as always, if you need any information about what's going on at Florida State recruiting-wise, check us out at Tomahawk Nation. David and Josh are constantly plugged into that recruiting thread. Uh, ask your questions. Let us know what's going on. Always feel free to shoot us a tweet or anything like that or whatever it's called on X now. But uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast, leave us a review. Five stars, all that good stuff. Uh, excited to be talking about Florida State football. Excited to be talking about what next season is going to look like. For David Stout, for Josh Pick, I am Tim Allenball. We are the three stars. Let's keep climbing.